We are Grace Church International, a spirit-filled, multicultural, worshiping community. One church in two locations. Today's message is preached by Bishop Jonathan Alvarado. We pray that it reaches you no matter where you are and equips you to be a more developed Christian disciple. Verses 17 and 18. And it reads Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, written uh, though they are, are in the 
Old Testament, you might think that they would have Hebrew names. They don't. They have Greek names. You know, Genesis comes with the Greek word Geneo, which means I begin or to begin. Uh, Le Leviticus uh, is, is the retelling. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy is the second telling of the law. Deutero is the second, and, and, and Namas is law. It's the second telling of the law. The book Exodus, though it's in the Old Testament, you might think that the Old Testament book would have a Hebrew name. It doesn't. It has a Greek. It's a Greek compound word. The prefix ek means of or from. Hadas is the suffix, which means the road, the path, or the way. The word Exodus, the compound word Exodus, from which we de derive uh, this the, from from the Greek word ekhadas, literally means the way out. Uh, some of y'all ought to just read Exodus because you need a way out. You need. You need a path out, out of your poverty, out of your destruction, out of your debilitating behaviors, out of your cycles uh, that keep you impoverished and bound. I want to just offer you this morning, in brief, a way out. Will you affirm it one more time and say, I haven't changed my mind. I haven't. Listen, precious dears, I'm, I'm encouraged to preach this to us and just to uh, encourage us in the Lord and to lead us in, in and maybe just be a cheerleader today to get the people of God on board with the right affirmation because I want you to understand that as the children of Israel were coming out, there were many forces that were working against them. Many of those forces were internal. There were, there were more obstacles internal to them than there were external to them because God was handling all their external enemies. Every time uh, the Pharaoh tried to do something to them, God sent something to fight against Pharaoh, sent them ten plagues and, until Pharaoh finally relented and let the children of Israel go. And then when they began their journey, this is what the Bible says about their exodus out of Egypt. The Bible says that it came to pass when Pharaoh let them go that God, not Moses, God, not Aaron, God, led them by the way, I'm sorry, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. And this is the curious part, because though it was near, though the land of the Philistines was the shorter route, though the land of the Philistines was the most direct route to their escape, the Bible says that God, not Moses, not Aaron, not Joshua, God didn't lead them that way. Because, he said, lest perhaps when the people see war, they change their minds. My whole thesis and premise is, is that wartime makes people change their minds. I'd like to suggest to you today, precious dears, that I haven't changed my mind. Though there be wars and rumors of wars, though we are in, engaged in a, in a colossal struggle of, 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 the, of biblical proportion, the kind of which we have not seen in this global pandemic, over 200,000 rapidly careening toward 300,000 deaths over the last seven or eight months. I am not changing my mind, even though war is rising around us. I've come to discover, y'all, something, an axiom about, about that, that is applicable and I derive from this text. The first thing I want you to understand is human freedom is always challenged. Uh, you got to get the narrative. The children of Israel were on their way out 
of Egypt. They were coming out of a place of bondage into a place of freedom. They were coming out of a place of servitude into a place where they would become the masters of their own destiny. They were coming out of a place of serving Pharaoh and serving uh, the gods in Egypt to serving the one true and living God. And his servitude to God always presupposes freedom for those who serve him. And hear me on this, human freedom is always challenged. I didn't say it's always challenging. I said it's always challenged. Whenever humans are being made free from whatever binds us, there's always a challenge to that freedom. The challenge for human freedom oftentimes comes from the powers that benefit from human bondage. Okay, I'm going to see if I can make this plain in the next 18 minutes. And that is this. You know there are people that benefit from you always being broke. There are people that benefit from you always being depressed. There are people that benefit from you always being in trouble. There are people that benefit from you always being in pro got a problem with the law. You got, there are people that benefit from you having bad credit. Y'all not saying nothing to me now. There are people that benefit from you. Human freedom is always challenged, number one, because there are powers and people that benefit from you and I being in bondage. Or somebody holler back at your preacher and say, I haven't changed my mind. I haven't. See, the problem is, is that, uh, is that when, when others are benefiting, principalities and powers, rulers of darkness and systems, credit and, 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 and economic systems, political systems, and all sorts of systems that are benefited by your bondage and mine, that your freedom then will always be challenged. The children of Israel were coming out of Egypt. They were being made free by the God of the universe. Nothing could have stood in their way, but God had sense enough to know that if they see some stuff out here, war, that might scare them and they might change their mind. You know why? Because God recognized there are forces in the universe that are seeking to keep you subjugated. You see, you are much more than you appear to be right now. And the devil recognized that you are much more than your life. Your life is lying on you right now. Your house is lying on you right now. Your salary is lying on you right now. You've got much greater potential than your life is demonstrating right now. And the enemy of your soul never wants you to realize what your greatness is because if he if you ever come to an inkling of an understanding of how great you really are you will be free from all the bondages that keep you bound in stations of life you are greater than the your family history you are greater than the sum total of your mistakes you are greater than the addictions that held you. Y'all not saying nothing to me. You are greater than being uh, being pregnant out of wedlock. You are greater than going through a divorce. You are greater than having come out of jail. You are great. Your life is greater than that. You have, you can flourish and you can you can expand. You can grow and you can become. And there's always going to be a challenge to that. And so if you're willing to go through the challenge and overcome it, you can experience the maximized potential for you. I don't know who I'm prophesying to today but I maybe it's somebody on live stream because these in the sanctuary act like I'm not talking to them I'm I, there may be somebody on live stream that understands that God sent me to tell you that your life is greater than your circumstances <laughs> children of Israel coming out of Egypt found out this axiom that the challenge for human freedom often comes from the powers that benefit from their bondage. The challenge to you for human freedom often comes from the fears of captive souls who have only known bondage, who only have subjugation as a frame of reference. You see, the challenge to your freedom and flourishing 
is oftentimes by external powers that benefit from keeping you subjugated. But the challenge to your human freedom and flourishing also comes from an internal witness that doesn't have a frame of reference, doesn't have freedom as a frame of reference. In other words, some of us are bound because we always been bound. Some of us are bound because we was raised in a house that was bound. Our mama was bound. Our daddy was bound. We the fourth generation of divorced people. We the th third generation of children out of wedlock. We the uh, sixth generation that didn't go to college. And some of us are bound because all we know is bondage. And sometimes those internal forces try to be a barrier and a witness against us to say, ain't nobody in your family ever did this. Ain't nobody in your family ever became this. Pastor Tony and I were driving back in on this morning, early in the morning, and I got to thinking about it as I was driving through Cincinnati, Ohio, and northern Kentucky, where my mama was from, and I began to realize that 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 my my I am the son of an immigrant. My daddy was first generation before Puerto Rico was was a was a was a, a, a Commonwealth of the United States. My dad immigrated here. He's an immigrant in every sense of the word. I'm the son of an immigrant. I'm really first generation here in the U.S. My daddy didn't speak no English when he got to the United States. Joined the United States military. They used to make fun of him, have him do all kind of crazy assignments because he didn't understand the language. I am the grandson of a sharecropper as we drove down the highway and looked over tobacco fields and, 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 and corn fields and things. And my granddaddy used to work on somebody else's farm and work in my, and no, none of my, my mother's uh, uh, siblings, none of them uh, went to high school, graduated high school. None of them went to college. None of them went to, it did, it, I'm first generation. Here I got more degrees and you know, I got wallpaper hanging all over the wall. I shouldn't be where I am, but something in me wouldn't accept the limitations that even my family structure and my family situation and I don't know who I'm preaching to today but somebody needs to know you are not limited to or bound by anything that your family has already set up as a standard for your living you are going to be the one that breaks the mold over your family life you're the one that's going to draw a line in the sand and say this far and no further it happened to everybody in my generation up to me but from me forward it ain't gonna happen to nobody else I don't know who I'm preaching to today but sometimes human freedom is challenged by our own fears of the captive souls who have only known bondage who only have subjugation as a frame of reference every now and then you just got to enter into an imaginative reality every now and then you just got to enter into what Walter Brueggemann calls your prophetic imagination a reading of the text that, that causes you to imagine a future that has not yet been realized in your life. The question is not whether you can pray for it. The question is, can you imagine it? The question is not whether you've seen it in your family before. The question is whether you can imagine it or not. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I'm trying to stir your righteous mind to a place of imagination because if you can't see yourself there, you'll never get there. But every now and then, you just need to imagine what possibilities exist for you. Like, my God, I feel that down in my spirit. I don't know who I'm preaching to on the live stream, but I wonder if you'll write down on the live stream or write it down on your notepad if it's too personal. The things you're imagining for your own life. Can you imagine yourself out of the bondages of debt that you're in now? Can you imagine yourself in a good, stable relationship where you're loved and you're cared for and you're respected? Can you imagine yourself not working for somebody but owning your own business? Can you imagine yourself overcoming the sickness that has kept your mama had diabetes your grandmama had diabetes. Everybody in your family had high blood pressure and hypertension. Can you imagine yourself being the first person in your family not to be on medicine for the rest of your life? I just want to know, can you imagine not 
you pay for it, not can you achieve it on your own. I just want to know your part today is to just imagine, just to think. Because if you can think as a man or a woman thinks in his or her heart, so is he or she. Oh, it's COVID, so you can't touch nobody. But point at somebody and tell them, imagine it, imagine it. I dare you to look at somebody and prophesy over them and tell them, I see you in the future. Y'all ain't said nothing to nobody, but I dare you to prophesy to somebody around you and tell them, I see you in the future. And you look a whole lot different than you look right now. Y'all ain't said nothing. Turn to somebody else. Find somebody that'll prophesy back to you and tell them, I see you in the future. And you look a whole lot better than you look got to imagine. You got to see yourself. You got to envision yourself in a new way of being in the world. Well, the children of Israel didn't have that imaginative framework. All they, all they had as a frame of reference was their bondage. I know I got it right because when they got in trouble in the wilderness and the children of Israel were up against hard times and troubles, they started coming to Moses saying, why didn't you leave us in Egypt? When there was food scarcity and shortage, they started saying, we had leeks and onions and, and bread and meat to spare. While we were in Egypt, they forgot about the taskmaster's whip. You had that too. They forgot they were working for somebody else. They were doing somebody else's bidding. They were under somebody else's mastery. They forgot about that. It's amazing to me that freedom oftentimes brings about amnesia. Trying to get somebody to see that you need to remember what God brought you out of. So that way you don't ever risk repeating it in your life. Uh, some of y'all don't, don't know nothing about righteous indignation. There's some reasons that I'm not going back to bondage just because I'm too ornery to go back. I look back at bondage and say, you had me long enough. I tried broke for many years. I didn't like it, so I'm not ever going back to broke again. Y'all don't like what I'm saying here. I tried bad relationships. They, they debilitated me, depressed me, kept me up at night, took my appetite. I'm never going back to that foolishness again. I've tried all kinds stuff in my life and the devil had me bound in seasons of my life but I, I'm filled with righteous indignation to say I'm not going back to that because I remember the hardships and the troubles that I went through I don't just remember the supposed good times the leeks and the onions I remember the whippings that y'all gave me while I was back there in Egypt human freedom is always challenged you see though God had freed the children from bondage there remained a threat of war with Philistia Though God had freed them from Egyptian bondage in order them to fully actualize their freedom in the promised land, there was this looming threat of Philistia. I'm trying to get you to see something. Though you have been made free in one area, don't forget that there are other threats that have to be faced. Sometimes, sometimes we feel like we've been made free. Oh, and then we become dumb and gullible and slip back into somebody else's uh, uh, bondage because we have not observed. Though there was, they were freed from Egypt, there still was the looming prospect of war with Philistia. Now stay with me now because it is at this point in the text that my sympathies begin to turn more toward, toward God's desire for the children of Israel and, 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 and I really have to, in order for me not to be mad at the children of Israel, I really got to let my sympathies run toward them because God was saving their lives because he knew that they could not manage the prospect of war. He knew that if they, listen, he didn't say if they fought war, they would change their minds. The text says God knew if they saw war, they would change their minds. See, some of y'all, some of y'all, it's not the fight that scares you, it's looking at the fight. 
See, I used to have a good ghetto coalition in my church that used to help me. I, I don't know what happened to y'all. Y'all got bougie and moved to the suburbs and forgot that y'all came up in the ghetto. I used to have a ghetto, Jason, I used to have a ghetto coalition in the church, people that was raised like me, that had been in a few fights in your life and you're not scared to fight and you know that if, if, they, if they can give some, they're gonna have to take some. You might whoop me. Every now and then these young people run, run out here because I'm getting older. They want to challenge the bishop and push on me and act like they're going to jump on me and all that stuff. And I tell them all the time, you're right, you're 17, you're 18, you're 19, you might whoop me. But let me tell you what about this. You're going to know you've been in a fight. Now you might whoop me, but you're going to get, in order to give some, you're going to get some. You're going to get some of this right here. And if I start losing too bad, I'm going to get me some help off my hip. Y'all don't like me because I tell the truth. I don't have enough ghetto saints in the church no more. Where are my ghetto saints? All my ghetto saints ought to be able to put some on the live stream. And don't be ashamed that you come from the ghetto. Because, see, it's not, it's not the war. It was the sight of war. You just got to be careful, y'all. Don't lose your fight. Don't lose your fight. Don't lose the ability to look at a struggle and say, you know what, that looks tough, but I believe I can take him. Yeah, he's he doing all right over there, but I believe if I catch him with one of these, he, he gone. See, you can't lose your fight. Y'all not saying nothing to me now. You've got to understand, it's not the size of the dog that's in the fight. It's the size of the fight that's in the dog. The children of Israel just didn't have no fight in them. Therefore, God knew that they might, come on, change their mind. But somebody hollered out, put it on the live stream. I haven't changed my mind. Yeah, God knew that too often people choose bondage over struggle. I'm going to try it again. I, I saw it when it went past your head. Sometimes God knew that a lot of times the human response is to accept bondage over struggle. He knew that's exactly right. It just, just don't, don't let nothing change. The homeostasis, as long as it stays the same. I'm good. I might be in bondage, but as long as things are cool, they're even, they're not disturbing me. I'd rather have bondage and homeostasis than struggle and wonder how this is going to come out. But I'm prophesying to somebody today, God's trying to make you free, but freedom doesn't come without struggle. You're going to have to learn how to get in there and get engaged in the fight. And you're going to have to sometimes fight without knowing whether or not you're going to prevail. See, the problem with the church is we have sold you a false bill of goods on faith and God's power and everything. It tells you you're a winner and you're always on top. You never lose. And, the, and some of y'all have come to discover that life is about some knocks and some hardships. And sometimes you're going to be on top, but sometimes circumstances going to be on top of you. You might as well just tell the truth and shame the devil. And you might as well get ready because anybody that's going to be free in this next season of grace is going to have to learn to struggle to get to your place of freedom. Shun not the struggle, Malty D. Babcock says in her great hymn. She says, "Tis God's gift. Be strong." I'll tell you the whole stanza. It says, "We are not here to play, to dream, to drift. We have hard work to do and loads to lift." Then the line I just quoted: "Shun not the struggle. Tis God's gift. Be strong, man of God, woman of God. Be strong. Don't be afraid of the struggle." Some of y'all could make $30,000 more on the, uh, a year on your job. You're just scared to take the, the necessary training to get to the promotion. 
I don't know if I'm going to be able to pass the, te- the exam. Well, you'll never know if you don't take the doggone thing. I don't know if, that, I don't know if my transcript, if they're going to let me in to get the master's degree. You won't know until you apply. Let me let y'all in on a little secret. Right now in COVID, everybody's taking everybody for everything. Apply, you ought to apply for everything right now because everything is on short supply. They need everybody in every program, every opportunity they can possibly take. You ought to apply for everything you can possibly apply for in this COVID season because right now everything is relaxed. And could it be that God is going to use this season and this time to provide you the access that you need that heretofore you weren't qualified for, but God sent a pandemic just to make sure that you could get into places where you were not qualified. All you have to do is be courageous enough to struggle with it. I'm so concerned that there are so few of us that want to engage in the struggle. See, the issue is not whether or not you prevail. The issue is whether you struggle. Oh my God, I'm going to say something, Selena. I need you to back me up on this. The older I get, the more I'm convinced that God is not as interested in me winning as he is in me struggling. I'm, more inter- I, I, I'm, I'm getting more and more convinced because too many of us want, want victory with ease and not struggle to, to grow character and to grow in fortitude. This is why some of us want power and don't want strength. Because power is for the instantaneous, but strength is for the struggle. Church been operating in power. But God's trying to give us strength. See, you're, see, see, Elder Pyram, they don't want to hear this kind of preach right here. DT, here it is. People, power ain't going to get you through COVID. Yeah, yeah. When it was back in February and March and we thought it was going to be over in six weeks and we thought our president was saying in 15 days, poof, it's like a miracle. It's going to be gone. And here we are seven months later and it's still here getting stronger than ever, getting ready to partner up, join hands with flu and, and run through the city. And I'm trying to tell y'all something. We don't need power right now. I know y'all praying in tongues, got your eyes rolled all up in your head, looking for God to endow you with power. You don't need power. Come on out of that kind of prayer closet. What you need now is strength because in the struggle, you don't need power. You need strength. Strength is the thing that causes you to endure through sustained seasons of hardship. That's what we're dealing with now. Some of y'all want anointing, power. I just need anointing to be stay married to this woman. No, you don't. You don't need anointing to stay married. You need strength. You need power for the honeymoon. That's where you need power. But Tina, what you need for the marriage is strength. Y'all don't like me because I tell the truth. Carmen, don't you leave me out here by myself. You don't be married to a man for all these 20, somebody going on 30 years and talking about, well, oh, we just always oh, in bliss and love and I know the devil is a lie. You, power is what you need when you're going, to, going away to, to Fiji for the weekend. That's when you need power. You need to drink you some Yohimbi and some, 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 to get you supplements and whatever you need to get. Get plenty of rest. Hallelujah to God in Jesus' name. That's what, that's your power. That's what you need, power. But when you come off the vacation and you get back home and all them bills are in the mailbox and the, and the, and the kids wreck the car and, the, and you got challenges going on all around, that's when you need strength so you can stay together for the next 35. Y'all not saying nothing to me now. I got to hurry up. I'm still on my first point. My time is up. God knew that too often people choose bondage over struggle for freedom. 
Here's the second point. Israel's journey was prolonged, watch this, because they couldn't see beyond the struggle of warfare with Philistia. Notice the text. The text says that God, God told him in verse 17, he says, uh, uh, he said, uh, uh, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Although that was near, it was a shorter ride, it was quicker. For God said, perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Listen to me very carefully. My, my second point, I'm going to get to these next ones really quickly because I took too long on the first one. Israel's journey was prolonged because they could not see beyond the struggle of warfare with Philistia. See, here's the key to winning the fight. You cannot see the fight as the end. You have to see yourself as winning. Um, um, what's the movie Tom Cruise, the Samurai Warrior? Um, what? Um, the Last Samurai, thank you. Uh, the Last Samurai is the name of the movie. You ought to watch the movie The Last Samurai. When they were training Tom Cruise how to fight with a sword. He was a soldier. He knew how to fight with a, with a, with a, with a repeating rifle. But, but, but when they were training him to fight with a, with a, with a, with a samurai sword, they, they told him, too much in mind. In other words, you're thinking about too many things. The only thing you need to think about is you coming out of this having defeated your enemies. If you can envision yourself not in the struggle, but if you can envision yourself on the other side of the struggle, then the struggle is only a temporary obstacle to getting you to the vision that you've already seen. The children of Israel could not see themselves beyond the struggle of warfare with the Philistines. Uh, you and I must be able to see through the immediate struggle all the way to the goal, which is freedom from bondage. God knew that warfare with Philistia would be a nullifying distraction for Israel. He said, notice, he didn't say, I can't lead them by Philistia because if they engage with war, they might go back to Egypt. No, he said, if they see war, they might return. He knew See, things that you see that are not your goal are a distraction. God knew that Philistia was a nullifying distraction. What do you mean, Bishop? A nullifying distraction is the thing that nullifies the purpose and plan of God in your life. Here's my question. What distractions exist in your life that are currently nullifying his, his, his purpose for your life? Some of us are distracted with foolishness, mayhem, and mess. And it's, all that stuff is passing and fading. Don't let that distract you from the goal. If the goal is to buy a new house, then don't be distracted by the things that are nullified. If the, so, they told, so they sent you a letter in your, in your credit said, said you got to get your credit score up by, by, by 180 points in order to qualify for this loan. Don't let them, oh, I'm never going to be able to get my credit score up. To That's just a nullifying distraction. You just need to get that distraction out of your life. You're going to be able to do it. God's going to help you in that right early. It's the, God knew that Israel would, was experiencing this nullifying warfare with Israel would be a nullifying distraction for Israel. See, oftentimes we're delayed when we are distracted. Notice, notice what happened. I've read the text two or three times. Have you gotten it yet? When Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines. Listen to this line. Although that way was near, 
Translation, that was the shortest route. Distractions always elongate your life. And I don't mean in a good way, like add years to your life. I mean elongate you getting to your destiny. Notice the text, place off the underneath me. Distractions. God took them the long way around because they were afraid. God took them the long way around because of their tendency to revert back to the familiar, to go back to Egypt. And because God knew this is how they're going to act. If they see this, this is how they're going to act. God said, I'd rather them go the long way. Which meant that their distractions turned into delays. Here's my question for you. What distraction in your life is turning into a delay? I mean, come on. Pastor Tony and I always raise the question, when are you ever ready? I mean, you know, people always talk about what they're going to do when they get ready. When are you ever ready? You're distracted by the things that you think will make you ready. You, they're not going to make you ready because as soon as you get all five of those completed, four more are going to show up to try to, to tell you you're still not ready because you got these four things over here. You're never ready. Every now and then you just need to get to a point where you say, you know what, I'm going to hold hands and jump off this cliff and if the parachute opens, it opens. And if it doesn't, at least I died trying. Hear me on this, precious dears. You and I can't be distracted because distraction always leads to delay. And for some of us on this live stream, some of us my age, when you get to a certain age, you just don't have time for delays. I don't have time to be piddling around, fooling around, waiting on. That's why I, that's why I can't let some of y'all close to me in my circle. Because some of y'all still trying to figure out whether you want to come out of Egypt or not. I made that decision a long time ago. I got time to be fooling around folk that haven't figured out whether or not they want to do something with their life. That devil's a lie. I want to get on with the program and the plan of God and I can't be afraid of the struggle because it's that distraction of struggle and the fear of that that produces delay in my life. This is, this is the test for each of us. Here's the last point I want to make. Here's my third point. Israel was fearful. Thus God had to take them by the way of the wilderness. You wonder how they got in the wilderness? They got in the wilderness because God knew if they see this warfare, they are not going to go to the promised land. They're going back to Egypt. Here's the curious thing. I was thinking about the text. I wrote this down in my notes because I thought it was so uh, important for us to, to, to hammer down. Don't, don't miss this. The wilderness was the place of lack. God took them into the place where they would not have enough. just because he knew that they would go back to bondage. If, okay, maybe you don't know enough about the history of warfare. Warfare in Israel in these times meant that if perhaps, you're a warrior, out of power, if perhaps they engaged in warfare with the Philistines and they by chance prevailed, do you know what would have happened to all of the Philistine stuff? It would have belonged to Israel. It's called the spoils of war. So they had the potential in going through the struggle to have more than what they needed. But because they were afraid, God had to take them by the way where they didn't have enough. Some of y'all wonder why you don't have enough in your life. Could it be that God had to take you this way because you were too afraid of the struggle where in the struggle there's plenty because as soon as you whoop the enemy, that's when he's got to give up all the stuff and turn it over to you. 
Stay with me. The, it's, it's, the, the wilderness is also the place of grumbling and complaining. They got in the most trouble in their journey because they grumbled and complained. Let, let me see if I, I, if I can say this a better way. Minister Zacchaeus, people who are in a fight tend not to complain because they are preoccupied with the strategy necessary to prevail in the fight. Ain't nobody got time to be complaining about who didn't do this and why my mama didn't give me a bite when I was seven years old. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm engaged in a fight and I got to be focused on this enemy. I'm not thinking about now. I can, I can lament that stuff later on. Right now, I'm in the middle of a fight. Could it be that your life that's so built around grumbling and complaining and always talking about what you don't have and who didn't do right by you and what, what didn't happen for you and where you do it, what access did, wasn't given to you, what opportunities you didn't get. The devil is a lie. All, people that complain all the time are people that ain't engaged in no struggle. And I can't keep people like that in my life because I need fighters around me because I'm engaged in an epic struggle. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for the survival of this church. I'm fighting for my ministry. I'm fighting for the gift that God put in me to share with the world. I'm fighting to keep my family moving forward. I'm fighting to keep the church above water. And I don't have time to surround myself with mealy mouth, weak back, lily livered, sissified people who all they can talk about is what they don't have and who ain't with them. And God look like God don't answer my prayer. The devil is a lie. When you're focused on the fight, you don't have time to complain. Not only that, but the wilderness. <laughs> the wilderness is a place where there's lack, and the wilderness is a place where there's grumbling and complaining. Deacon Ross, the wilderness is the place where the enemy pursues you. When, when the children of Israel went into the wilderness, what happened? When Pharaoh saw all of his labor pool was now gone, he mobilized his armies mounted his chariots and horsemen and started pursuing them. And so now they're in a place of lack. They're in a place of elongation, prolongation. And on top of that, they're running from the enemy. Now, get the scenario. Y'all got to stay with the text. The text says they had the option to go right into battle with the Philistines. But because they were afraid of the warfare, Instead of them chasing the enemy, they spent the next 40 years with the enemy chasing them. Now, I don't know about none of y'all punks, but I'm tired of the devil thinking he's going to be the one chasing me around. I would rather turn around, man up, and say, look here, let's do this. Me and you, right here, right now. Let's let's. This is the showdown. Let's make it happen. If you go, if you, if you prevail, I'm done. But if I prevail, I'm going on into the promised land, and it don't need to take me the next forty years to get there. The wilderness was a place in Philistia. Israel would have been pursuing the enemy, but in the wilderness, the enemy was pursuing Israel. And you, my friends, have to decide whether or not you're going to be the one pursuing or whether you're going to be the one pursued. I'd like to suggest to you today, my theme is autobiographical. My text, my subject for the message today 
is autobiographical. I haven't changed my mind. Things have not gone the way I expected them to go. Nobody. I'm so glad God didn't give me no theme of 2020 vision. Everybody was trying to get vision for 2020. God told, I was like, God, that's so trite. I can't even hear you saying that to me. If you are saying that, speak loud, because that is such a trite, such a little, just a little, just a little. Come, everybody, that's just, they don't, they don't spirituality. That's just, that's just catchy phrases. 2020 vision, the year of vision. Oh, uh, your vision, yeah, yeah, you got all that vision, but you ain't seen this COVID coming, did you? You didn't see that, did you? All your vision. You clean your glasses or something, go back to your optometrist. You ain't see that coming. I'm so happy God didn't give me that as a theme for 22. I'm so glad of that. You know why? Because I'm engaged, y'all, in an epic struggle. And I'm not, I'm not, I am not too arrogant or hyper spiritual to tell you that I don't know how this is gonna turn out. I didn't see it coming. And I'm, I'm navigating my way through it, engaged in the struggles of life, doing what I need to do to be able to come out of this and to bring this church, to lead this community of faith out of this difficult season. And I just want everybody to know the one thing I am in control of in this is my disposition toward it. And on this Lord's Day morning, I want you to know I haven't changed my I still believe God's going to bless your life. I still believe you're coming out on top. I've changed my mind. I still believe you're going to be delivered even through a pandemic. I still believe God's going to sustain you even though your job is cutting your hours and taking and putting furlough on people and, and, and the benefits have cut off from the government. I still believe in times of famine you shall eat. You know why? Because I have not changed my mind and I'm trying to provoke somebody to be able to say with me that you have not changed your mind. We used to say it in testimony and sing it in gospel songs. My heart is fixed. My mind is made up. We ought to be like Job and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I haven't changed my mind. My mind is still on the goal not as though I had already attained but this one thing I do not looking back to the things which are behind but reaching forth to the things that are before me I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God which is in Christ Jesus you know why I do it because I haven't changed my mind I haven't changed my mind this is still the right way to be. <laughs> I haven't changed my mind. His way is still the best way for me. I haven't changed my mind. Things haven't worked out the way I wanted them to, but I still haven't changed my mind. God knows what's best for my life. I haven't changed. No, 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 no. God, you can take me the direct route because I haven't changed my mind. 
I'm, I'm not going to curse your, into your face. I'm not going to quit on you. I'm going to stay with it, God, because I haven't changed my mind. I've been through hell and high water, and I haven't changed my mind. I've survived scandal and people talking about me publicly, and I haven't changed my mind. I've survived people leaving the church in the middle of a pandemic, walking away from the church. I ain't seen you in six months, and now you led to do something else. I, but I haven't changed my mind about how much I love you and how much I believe that God has goodness for your life. I haven't changed my mind haven't changed my mind haven't changed my mind haven't changed I haven't changed I haven't changed my I've changed my mind I've changed my I've set my face like a flint I haven't changed my mind I've straightened up my back I haven't changed my mind I have put on blinders to not be distracted I have not changed my mind God you can count on me because I haven't changed my mind I'm still on your side. I'm still serving your kingdom. I'm still working for your purposes. And I believe that there are some people today that are resonating with that declaration that you too have a made up mind. You have not changed your mind. I'm looking for some members of Grace Church International to put it on the live stream. I want you to put it on there and say, I haven't changed my mind about Grace Church. I haven't changed my mind about the ministry. I haven't changed my mind about the work under which we've been called. I haven't changed my mind about our common work. I haven't changed my mind. Some of y'all sitting in the sanctuary, grab your phone. You've been texting everybody all through my sermon. Put it on the live stream. I haven't changed my mind about Grace Church. I haven't changed my mind about what I'm called to do here. I haven't changed my mind. My heart is fixed. My mind is made up. I have not changed songs like that anymore, but in, in the Baptist church I grew up in, they used to say, I shall not, I shall not be moved. I shall not, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the water. Oh, I shall not be moved. We used to sing songs about in times like these you need a savior in times like these you need an anchor be very sure be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid Rock, then they'd say that rock is Jesus. He is the one. That rock is Jesus. He's God's only son. Be very sure. Be very sure. Oh, oh. your anchor holds and. Grips the solid My heart is fixed. My mind is made up. I'm telling everybody on the live stream, I'm pledging it before God and I'm letting the devil know I haven't changed my mind. Now you decide. If it seemed right to you to serve other gods, serve them. 
But as for me and my house, we have changed our minds. We will serve the Lord. <laughs> I'm in it. For, I, I see a few people on my live stream. I want a few more to put it on the live stream, put it on the Grace Church live stream, put it on the Grace Church YouTube channel, and just say it. Make a personal pledge. This is your commitment to God. This is your virtual altar call. I haven't changed my changed my mind. Every hand lifted all over the sanctuary. Now God give us, every hand lifted all over the live stream. Now God give us the intestinal fortitude to accomplish what we pledge today in live stream, in verbal affirmation, in commitment to you, in a moment of worship. Let it be a reality in our lives that we have not changed. I know we're having trouble in this marriage, but I haven't changed my mind. You called me to this woman. You called me to this man. I haven't changed my mind about it. God, I know my children are acting crazy, but I haven't changed my mind about what you told me about my children when they were born. You gave me your good word over there, and I have not changed. I stay in agreement with everything you said over them. I haven't changed my mind. God, I haven't changed my mind about the work under which you've called me. At Grace Church International, though I've had opportunities to do other things, God, I haven't changed my mind about what you've called me to do right here in this house and with this people. I pray in the strong name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you, in Jesus' name, that you give us the kind of strength and peace and hope and joy to be able to be energized, to maintain our focus, even in the face of the Philistine army. Let it be so, and let it be for your glory today. Come on, take the next 48 seconds and give him praise and glory. Give him worship and thanksgiving. Come on, give him honor. Lift it up to him for the next 40 seconds. You're right there, right where you are, right where you are. Right if this you are. message has blessed you, join us as we seek to change lives by reaching and equipping people through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on Facebook at Grace Church International on Instagram at GraceChurchINTLATL or on our website at www.GraceChurchINTL.org. If you would like to partner with us in our mission, you can donate on PayPal at www.paypal.me slash GraceChurchINTL on Cash App at dollar sign GraceChurchINTL or on our website at www.gracechurchintlatl.org slash giving. Now go in grace and the grace of God go with you.